So yes, we're doing a very exciting part of the Bhagavatam today, the prayers of Gajendra. And the first purport has some amazing instructions for all of us as, uh, as devotees. So let us again, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Ajnanatimirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya, Chakshura Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha, Panchakalpa Turukalpa Kripasandube, Pavanebio Vaishnavebio Namo Namaha, Okay, so let us uh, begin. We are setting the third chapter. I, the first two chapters we um, we did each in one day. I'm, you know, Krishna can do anything, but I'm not uh, certain we will finish this chapter um, in uh, today. But let us see. Let us see. You never know. <clears throat> okay, uh, so Sukadev Goswami continued. Thereafter, the king of the elephants, Gajendra, fixed his mind in his heart with perfect intelligence and chanted a mantra which he had learned in his previous birth as Indra Dhyumna, and which he remembered by the grace of Krishna. So you can imagine the average person reading this, like, wait, 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 there's an elephant? fixed his mind and his heart with perfect intelligence and chanted a mantra and that he learned that in his previous birth as in wow that's pretty uh amazing <laughs> so Prabhupada begins his purport by quoting these two verses in the sixth uh chapter of the Bhagavad Gita and it doesn't have English so I'll read the English to you on taking such a birth, it's talking about a um, unsuccessful yogi, a, a, a per, no, not unsuccessful, but a, a progressive yogi who hasn't achieved perfection in his last life. On taking such a birth, he revives the divine consciousness of his previous life. Just as we hear it, Gajendra um, remembered his previous life <clears throat> and, and whatever progress he had made as King Indra Jumna. He revives the divine consciousness of his previous life, and he again tries to make further progress in order to achieve complete success, O son of Quinty. And then the next verse that is quoted also, by virtue of the divine consciousness, the divine consciousness of his previous life, he automatically becomes attracted to the yogic principles, even without seeking them. Such an inquisitive transcendentalist stands above always above the ritualistic principles of the scriptures. And I don't know if we'll get to it today, but the ritualistic principles of the scriptures does come up. I believe it's in verses 20 and 21. Um, so it, so he, had, he was cursed to become an elephant, but he also maintained his divine consciousness. So um, very, very interesting situation for Gajendra. And of course, this is, an arrangement by the Lord to um, bring him to a higher level of bhakti. So Prabhupada writes, uh, continues in these verses, meaning the verses from the Bhagavad Gita we just read. It is assured that even if a person engaged in devotional service falls down, he is not degraded, but is placed in a position in which he will, in due course of time, now that's important because you say, what do you mean he's not degraded? Your gender became an elephant. 
But then it says, in due course of time, remember the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As explained later, Gajendra was formerly King Indra Dumna. And somehow or other, in his next life, he became king of the elephants. Now Gajendra was in danger. And although he was in a body other than that of a human being, he remembered the stotra. Would anyone know what stotra means? Stotra? Prayer? Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Nani Mukhi. It means prayer. Yes. So um, he remembered the stotra he had chanted in his previous life. To enable one to achieve perfection, Krishna gives one the chance to remember him again. This is proved here. For although the king of the elephants, Gajendra, was put in danger, this was a chance for him to remember his previous devotional activities, and so he could immediately be rescued by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It. it is imperative, therefore, that, so listen to this, it probably uses the word imperative. It is imperative, therefore, that all devotees in Krishna consciousness practice chanting some mantra. Certainly, one should chant the Hare Krishna mantra, which is the Maha mantra, or great mantra. And also, one should practice chanting Chintamani, Prakara, Sadma, Sukhop, etc., or the Nishinga Stotra, Ito Nishinga, Parato Nishingo. Yato yato yamitato nishingha. Every devotee should practice in order to chant some mantra perfectly, so that even though he may be imperfect in spiritual consciousness in this life, in his next life he will not forget Krishna consciousness, even if he becomes an animal. Of course, the devotee should try to perfect his Krishna consciousness in this life, for simply by understanding Krishna and his instructions, after giving up this body, one can return home back to Godhead. Even if there is some fall down, practice of Krishna consciousness never goes in vain. So, um, <clears throat> just waiting for Rasa to connect to the audio. If she does, then oh, she's taking her time, so we'll continue. <laughs> um, what, a, what a purport. Wonderful. And... Um, Gajendra was a king, he became an animal, but he was not fully degraded to animal consciousness. He remembered this prayer. So um, he was placed by Krishna's grace in a way, right, with this alligator, to remember Krishna. So, so Prabhupada says here, we should all practice a mantra perfectly so he can remember it in our next life that we have to take another life. Or in this life, to um, chant it so it deeply enters our consciousness and stays with us in danger um, in this life or the next. It tried, so, that, so the stotra makes a deep impression uh, in our mind so that we turn to Krishna. Mm. So um, we are all here pretty familiar with Shastra scriptures and so we can choose uh, some mantra. Prabhupada gave a few ideas here, the Brahma Samhita, Chintamani Prakara Sadna Sukopa Briksha, or he said the Nishringa prayers, um, Namaste Narasinghaya that we chanted at the end of every arti in the temple. Um, I'm not sure, I, I was thinking, it's not a, exactly, it's, it, it's a prayer. I was thinking of trying to, um, 
I can't memorize because it it's way too long, but the Sharanagati prayers of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And he goes through these six that there is six aspects of Sharanagati. So uh, accepting everything favorable to Krishna consciousness, rejecting everything unfavorable, thinking of Krishna as our protector, thinking of Krishna as our maintainer, um, practicing real humility and uh, being self-surrendered. So he goes through those six. Um, it's quite a task to um, read the whole thing every day. But anyway, that, that's what, as I was reading this purport, I that's what I was thinking of. Or maybe um, um, one of the prayers by uh, Narottama Das Thakur. But it says here that we should all, in, in, in addition to the Maha Mantra, of course, the Maha Mantra has everything. But still, there's nothing wrong with finding some stotra, some prayer that really inspires us. Um, a very, very exalted prayer is the prayer that we say to uh, Tulsi Devi every morning after Mangala Arti. Right, that's, a very, that's a very deep meditation on Vrindavan and Krishna's relationship with the gopis. Right? Um, it's, it's a beautiful prayer, and, and that's something that we could focus on. Um, yeah, <clears throat> yes, so Krishna has placed Gajendra in this situation, uh, given him so that he can, his sincerity that he had cultivated in his previous life can come out even more. Um, and, and he's showing us through his example how he learned a stotra in his previous life that came in very, very handy in this life. So questions, comments, thoughts on this first verse. Yes, Guru Das Prabhu. Hare Krishna, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> and my obeisances to, to all the devotees on the Sangha. Um, so uh, you were just mentioning different mantras. When I first read the Narayana Kavacha, mm. which is you you talk about long <laughs> it's very very uh, lengthy but it's the the praise of that narayana kavacha is just you know yeah. learn learn this mantra and you'll you'll always be protected mm -hmm. everywhere um it's it's quite extraordinary just reading it yeah, uh, but it, but the question of memorizing it is uh, very daunting. Memorizing might be uh, a challenge. Yes, <laughs> yes, but but possible. I mean, uh, you know, I know people who have memorized the whole Bhagavad Gita in Sanskrit. I know people who have memorized the uh, Vishnu Sahasranam, the thousand names of Vishnu. Oh, sure, sure. But then they have it, have it when you need it. You know, yeah. just sitting there on the back burner just waiting to use. But we're lucky because, you know, you know, you have memorized the Nisinga Sotra, of course. You've memorized the Tulsi prayer. So we have prayers that we've memorized. But the idea is that these are very powerful, very powerful things. And especially when they're chanted with, with understanding and sincerity, then they really affect consciousness in a very 
positive way. There's so many things that don't affect our consciousness in a positive way, but this is something that does. Other thoughts? Uh, just one more that we, uh, we haven't mentioned the Panchatattva Mantra, yes. Yeah, the Panchatattva Mantra, of course. So Prabhuji, what is the significance of this uh, mantra that he did the prayer? Which one? The one that... Uh, the Stotra he has been uh, practiced. Well, we're going to read, we're going to hear them. You, you want, uh, we're going to hear this whole chapter pretty much is those prayers. Okay. Okay. Just, Just now coming. They start in the next verse, actually. <laughs> yeah. Andy, were you going to say something? Yeah. I've always had a problem with this. I'll just confess, right? Okay, we're going to hear your confession. And yeah. I'm not even a Catholic priest, but go ahead. No, neither, but I mean, since I, started, I. since I started this study, uh, the English word prayer has only ever meant one thing and meant asking. Uh-huh. In fact, imagine in the, like if you read Shakespeare, they say, I pray thee. It's ask, right? <laughs> These things... And I think I know what a mantra is because I'm saying the Maha Mantra, right? That's one thing. Prayer is asking. These other things, it would help me if I had a, a, a word I could research and get the deep meaning of. It's a glorification. It's a supplication. You're not really asking for anything when you describe the glories of the Lord. What are you asking for? Maybe implied that you're asking for the Lord's uh, assistance in his greatness, but that's the farthest as I can see it. Well, I totally get what you're saying. Um, you know, and, and as, uh, you know, Janice Joplin used to mock that, right? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Right. Um, yet, so that's asking for something spiritual. But there are prayers in our tradition that are asking for something, I'm sorry, material, that are asking for something spiritual. It's called uh, Lala Samayi. Well, it's called different things, but um, it's mentioned in the Nectar of Devotion. And for example, that Tulsi prayer ends with, uh, well, actually the whole thing is asking for something, but it says, Sri Radha Govinda Premis Sadayena Basi, that may uh, Radha and Krishna's love enter my heart. So there is a request. That there. is an ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That I understand. But normally, if you want to memorize something, you would have a, something you could sing, which would be a hymn, or some verse, which helps you remember. You don't, nice. it should be no trouble memorizing something if it's put in the right format. Yes. So if it's a long thing that's hard to memorize, that's neither a prayer nor a hymn, nor a, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Well, yeah. or, or it's meant for people of really good memories. Uh, but, but yes, for example, the Brahma Samhita, it's not that, that's a very good point because the Brahma Samhita really, I'm trying to think of the verses in it, but it's all, it's all glorification. It's not uh, asking for anything actually is, you know, um, it's all glorification of Krishna and uh, yeah. So that, I think they, I like that they distinction. Know what I like yeah. that distinction you're making between glorification yeah. and prayer, even though, um, praying for something spiritual is fine. Yeah, that's a kind of prayer, but that's kind of, it might be a little bit harder to memorize because when you're asking for something you really want, you have no trouble remembering it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. And there's beautiful prayers in so many uh, religious traditions. Um, 
Yeah, and it's so nice that even if we can't memorize anything, if we could try try to remember the Hare Krishna Ma Mantra, that's 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 cool. But but this distinction um, between what is a pure request and what is not, you know, um, and what is mixed sometimes. And actually, if we get to it today, let's see how time allows. There, this does come up in a later purport that I asked you to read. I think it was 16, but it might have been 20, 21, where um, Prabhupada talks about asking for something other than pure bhakti. And because Kajendra, yeah, we'll get to that. Okay, so let us uh, carry on. We're only going all the way up to the next verse. <laughs> yeah, also. Um, oh, yes, Prabhu. Yeah, and the uh, chapter six, uh, 47 verse, Prabhupada also mentions that the word bhajate is significant here. Bhajate has its root in the word bhaj, which is used when there is need of service. So the English word worship cannot be used in the same sense as bhaj. Worship means to adore, to show respect, honor the worthy one. But service with love and faith is especially meant for the supreme personality of Godhead. So yeah, um, just like uh, Andy mentioned. Um, very nice. Fun. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, that's that for that's the last verse in the sixth chapter, which begins yeah. the uh, whole pro, uh, discussion in the next chapter about bhakti. Yeah. And, and I like that. So that's generally what we when we're praying for something, you know, what do we want? We're praying for service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to be reestablished in our consciousness as a servant of Krishna. Thank you so much for that, Man. That was beautiful. And, and just just the act of, of making that prayer is service. Yeah, right. Yeah, prayer is a kind of service. We say uh, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu Smarnam, Padasavanam, Archanam, Vandanam. Vandanam means prayer. Or, uh, or actually, as Andy has so nicely pointed out, not only this time, but in times in other days, that sometimes the English translation doesn't do justice to a word like stotra or vandanam. Yeah. But that's what we're stuck, at least that's what I'm stuck with, because I, you know, I know a few Sanskrit words. Um, uh, I think I know um, from Sankar, from doing Sankirtan, I know how to ask for a donation in Spanish, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, text number two. So Gajendra Sri Gajendra Uvacha. And he begins Om Namo Bhagavate Tasmai, that I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. <clears throat> the king of the elephants, Gajendra said, I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Supreme Person, Vasudev, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Because of him, this material body acts due to the presence of spirit. And he is therefore the root cause of everyone. He is worshipable for such exalted persons as Brahma and Shiva. And he has entered the heart of every living being. Let me meditate upon him. Prabhupada's purport. In this verse, the words, etach chid atmakam, are very important. The material body certainly consists only of material elements. But when one awakens to Krishna consciousness, 
understanding, the body is no longer material, but spiritual. The material body is meant for sense enjoyment, whereas the spiritual body engages in the transcendental loving service of the Lord. So it's still a body, right? It has made of earth, a bile, mucus, and air, and blood, etc., hair, and all those things. Um, but when it's when it's it's no longer material, it's no longer material when it's not being used for sense enjoyment, but in used in, and there is that word again, used in service, transcendental loving service. Therefore, a devotee who engages in the service of the Supreme Lord and who constantly thinks of him should never be considered to have a material body. It is therefore enjoined, Guru Shu Narapati. One should stop thinking of the spiritual master or, or any you know, great devotee as an ordinary human being with a material body. And then later, Arjay Vishnu Shiladi. Everyone knows that the, that the deity in the temple is made of stone or brass or whatever. But to think that the deity is merely stone is an offense. Similarly, to think the body of the spiritual master consists of material ingredients is offensive. Atheists think that devotees foolishly worship a stone statue as God and an ordinary man as the guru. The fact is, however, that by the grace of Krishna's omnipotence, the so-called stone statue of the deity is directly the supreme personality of God and the body of the spiritual master is directly spiritual. A pure devotee who was engaged in unalloyed devotional service should be understood to be situated on the transcendental platform, Sagunan Samatityaitan Brahma Bhuyaya Kalpate. Let us therefore offer our obeisances unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, by whose mercy so-called material things. And here's the point. Let us offer our respectful obeisances unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, by whose mercy so-called, so-called material things also become spiritual when they are engaged in spiritual activities. So, um, so you know, can, can, can the deity be broken? Well, we know the Mughals uh, broke some deities. You see, they, 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 when, they, when they were in India, they, they uh, destroyed temple carvings. And the spiritual master does eventually their, their body um, stops functioning and they leave this world just like you and I do. <clears throat> but the, these are spiritual eyes. The guru's body is spiritual or the great devotee, the devotee's body is spiritual eyes by this service, by engaging in Krishna's service. Sometimes it's a, the, the, Example is a gold box and gold plated. So the the um, you know Krishna is the gold box, but we can become gold plated by uh, engaging in in Krishna's service. So matter used in the service of Krishna be, is becomes fully spiritualized. Hmm. And it's such a wonderful meditation that Krishna can change anything material into spiritual. And we also learn, right, that the, the, the advanced devotee, the uh, Mahabhagavat, Stavaram Jagamam Deki, that they see, even the material world, they just see it as Krishna's energy, and they see Krishna as they're looking out, like I'm looking out into the bleak, freezing cold uh, weather out here where I am. <clears throat> and snow will be coming, they say, in maybe two or three hours from now. Um, 
And I'm seeing buildings and trees and things like that. But a great devotee sees that, no, this is Krishna's energy, sees the building and sees, oh, that's made of earth, water, fire, air. Um, you know, and the tree has a soul inside it. You know, so they, 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 um, they see spiritually. And the body, and our body also can become spiritualized. It's not that we're not going to get sick. It's not that we're not going to get old. It's not that we're not going to die. But it's spiritual. It, 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 Krishna changes it from material to spiritual in the sense that it's just being used for his service. So that's one point. There's one other point I wanted to make um, in this purport, but uh, some thoughts about this. It's, it's quite a spiritual science to think in this way. If I could make a request that you talk about this, you're much more knowledgeable about this than I am, about when the spiritual master gets an apparently material condition like a disease or like uh, an injury or something, right. how, how the devotee should see that uh, ailment of the spiritual master? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if, he, <laughs> the first thing that comes to my mind is we don't get mental about it. <laughs> we, know that they, we know that they have a, uh, a body that's going to be, uh, that you know, is going to have difficulties and they have some relationship with Krishna where this is happening to them. We, we, yes, the disciple doesn't think it's due to my spiritual master's karma or another way to look at it sometimes, at least for us, is that Krishna, I'm not saying this about a great devotee, but for us, Krishna uses our karma to teach us a lesson. And I think I said this example before, Vishnav Chakravarti Thakur gives this really cool, I've never tried this, but I, I'll take his word for it, that if you take two pieces of silk and one of them you put in front of a uh, flame, right? And, and you keep it there for some time, not so it gets blackened, but just so it's a flame. And then you take it back and they, they both look the same still. But this one, if you just touch it a little bit, it, it crinkles and goes away, it falls away. So karma, it may look like for an ordinary person and for a spirit, very spiritual person to be the same, but actually it's, it's, it, it, that's just the external. So similarly, you know, a great devotee will, will go through um, difficulties like that. Um, but that's something to do with their relationship with Krishna. And in one sense, the way I like to think, it's none of my beeswax, as they say. It's none of my business. But I, what I observe in, in a great devotee is that he or she is fully engaged in Krishna's service. And therefore, based on, and then based on this purport, they are spiritual eyes. Now, sometimes Krishna directly, um, I mean, we, we see this in, in great devotees, like the fourth chapter of Anjalila, the Chaitanya Charitamrita, when Sanatana Goswami uh, drinks some bad water and gets these terrible um, uh, sores all over his body. And we see that it was all part of Lord Chaitanya's relationship with him when Lord Chaitanya would try to embrace him and he would run away and uh, it felt so bad and he felt so bad that Lord Chaitanya's trans spiritual body was being touched by this pus and blood and everything. And there was all kind of, I won't get into all, but there was, there was a test of Sanatana Goswami by Lord Chaitanya um, in testing his devotion. Um, and, uh, and 
Lord Chaitanya uh, ultimately, of course, you know, relieves him of that. And we are all relieved of that eventually when we uh, leave this world. Um, but that's that's what I would say, Gurudaspur, that, that um, I, I would usually say, let's not get so mental about it. We understand from this verse that a devotee's body is spiritualized and the word, the key word is eyes. It still remains, you know, um, subject to old age, disease and death. Is that all right? Yeah. Also, the guru lives through his vani. And, uh, you know, that's where this body is concerned. This body goes through the six stages and you know, it doesn't matter. It's like uh, anything material which will, you know, uh, come into existence, grow, stay, and dwindle and go away. That applies to anything material. And this body is material. So that, that's sort of the law of the material world. But Guru lives through his Vani. In... That's a lovely, that's a wonderful point, Prabhu. Yes. Yeah, we say Vapu and Vani. Vapu is the physical association with the spiritual master and Vani is associating through his Vani literally means instructions. Uh, that's 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 perfectly all right. And thank you for saying that, Manmohan. Um, I was I I was I was just uh, making sure that this point was covered and Rajvi uh, Hari uh, Prabhu has covered it very nicely uh, because um, it seems seems to be, uh, if it isn't talked about in depth, there seems to be a, a mystery about this uh, idea, but uh, thank you for making it uh, more fleshed out. And here's a, here's a conversation, it's, it's a related point, it's not exactly this point, but a related point. <clears throat> Prabhupada says, yes, Acharya is explained, Bhakti Sangsana, one who's preaching the cult of devotional service, he's Acharya. Then why should you find any discrepancy? Jayadvaita says, because we see, for instance, sometimes the Acharya may seem to forget something or not to know something. So from our point of view, if someone has forgotten, that is Prabhupada. No, no, no. Then Jayadvaita, an imperfection, Prabhupada. That is not then you do not understand. Acharya is not God omniscient. He is a servant of God. His business is to preach bhakti cult. That is Acharya. Jaitwaita. And that is the perfection. Prabhupada, that is the perfection. Hare Krishna. Jaitwaita. So we have a misunderstanding about what perfection is. Prabhupada, yes. Perfection is here. How he is preaching bhakti cult. That's all. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the other, the other point that's made here in earlier in this, it's a, it's a, it's a good point. It's an important point, is that we often say, right, we, when we speak to people, we say, well, this, we're not this body. We're the soul. The soul is what energizes the body. The symptom of the soul is consciousness. But here, the the additional, um, a very important point is that while the soul gives life to the body, the super soul gives life to the soul. You know, he's he. Um, we are all dependent on Krishna, even Brahma and Shiva. So, and if Krishna withdraws his will, we have nothing. So, um, so that that I just thought uh, that point is made here. And the last thing I want to say is it's just good to remember throughout this chapter 
Remember, the crocodile is holding on to Gajendra's leg. He's in so much pain. And for many of us, I know, um, for me, sometimes it's really hard to think of Krishna and uh, be spiritual minded when I'm sick. You know, I, I, I usually just think, okay, I got to just pass the time somehow until I get better. But here, uh, it's not so easy to do that. But here, Gajendra is saying, beginning with this verse, these amazing prayers, and he's in incredible pain. He's incredible pain. So now we're going up to um, chapter, verse number seven. So we're continuing the prayers. This, so the Supreme Godhead is the supreme platform on which everything rests. The ingredient by which everything has been produced and the person who has created and is the only cause of this cosmic manifestation, he is the source of everything. Everything. Nonetheless, he is different from the cause and the result. Okay, so he creates everything, and he's different from it. I surrender unto him, the supreme personality of God, who is self-sufficient in everything. The supreme personality of God, text four, by expanding his own energy, keeps this cosmic manifestation visible and again sometimes renders it invisible. So the, that's the uh, you know creation and destruction of the world. <clears throat> I was reading, I think it was in the Washington Post. Uh, they were talking about how every major religion has some understanding of the destruction or the end, 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 end of the world. And they quote the pralaya or the uh, the uh, end of the universe, but uh, for in Hinduism, but they don't mention that again it's created and that it's cyclical, because they're basically making the point that it's mainly every the religions have it as linear and then ends at a certain point, but that's not. We say that it's cyclical. <clears throat> Thus, he is. Transcendental to everything. Oh, let me read the whole thing again. The Supreme Personality of God, by expanding his own energy, keeps the cosmic manifestation visible again, sometimes renders it invisible. He is both the supreme cause and the supreme result, because he, he also is everything, right? The observer and the witness in all circumstances. Thus, he is transcendental to everything. May that Supreme Personality of Godhead give me protection. In due course, there's something, there's a request, right? May that Supreme Personality of Godhead give me protection. We'll talk about that prayer a little later. In due course of time, when all the causative and effective manifestations of the universe, including the planets and their directors and maintainers are annihilated, there is a situation of dense darkness. Above this darkness, however, is the supreme personality of Godhead. I take shelter of his lotus feet. An artist on stage being covered by attractive dresses and dancing with different movements is not understood by his audience. Similarly, the activities and features of the supreme artist cannot be understood even by the demigods or great sages, and certainly not by those who are unintelligent, unintelligent like animals. Neither the demigods and sages nor the unintelligent can understand the features of the Lord, nor can they express in words his actual position. May that supreme personality of Godhead give me protection. So um, before we go on to seven, let me see if there's anything I want to say about these verses. 
So he's everywhere, though he's invisible. Uh, he has this amazing potency. Um, we, we have an example of this uh, the, that's given in the Bhagavad Gita of like uh, neck beads or any, any, um, any beads or pearls that are strung on a thread that you don't see the thread. <laughs> but without that thread, the uh, whole necklace falls apart. Of course, he's also the source of the, uh, of the pearls, but that's, that's, another, that's another point. Okay, now, text seven. Renunciates and great sages who see all living beings equally, who are friendly to everyone, and who flawlessly practice in the forest the vows of, now it doesn't mention Grihastha here, right? Brahmacharya, Vanaprastha, and Sannyasa. Desire to see the all auspicious lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. May that same Supreme Personality of Godhead be my destination. Purport. This verse describes the qualifications for devotees or persons highly elevated in spiritual consciousness. Devotees are always equal to everyone, seeing no distinction between lower and higher classes. Pandita Samadharshina. They look upon everyone as a spirit soul who is part and parcel of the Supreme Lord. Thus, they are competent to search for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Understanding that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is a friend of everyone. Suridham Sarvabhutanam. They act as friends of everyone on behalf of the Supreme Lord, making no distinction between one nation and another or one community and another. They preach Krishna consciousness the teachings of Bhagavad Gita everywhere. Thus, they are competent to see the lotus feet of the Lord. Such preachers in Krishna consciousness are called paramahansas, as indicated by the word vimukta sangha. They have nothing to do with material conditions. One must take shelter of such a devotee in order to, one must take shelter of such a devotee in order to see the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So here it says that they, they don't make a distinction they, they, they and, and they give Krishna consciousness to others. And um, I had this experience so many times when, um, in the 70s and 80s when I was distributing books, especially in the airport. <laughs> that was tough. Um, and you would see someone who looked like a really tough businessman and somebody who looked like, you know, kind of like a, they still had remnants of hippies in those days. And you would think, oh, the businessman's not going to take a book and the hippie will. But so many times Krishna proved me wrong by judging a book by its cover. And I was inspired by this verse in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that in distributing love of Godhead, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates did not consider who was a fit candidate and who was not, nor where such distribution should or should not take place. They made no conditions. Wherever they got the opportunity, the members of the Panchatattva distributed love of Godhead. <clears throat> and I was giving a class last night to devotees in Bangalore in India. And someone said something like, well, pious people can become devotees, but impious people, they can't become devotees. And then I said, well, wait a second. You know, I don't know if I'm a devotee yet, but I'm definitely impious and I'm somehow still here. <laughs> and then, uh, <clears throat> but this verse is saying not, not considering who was a fit candidate, who was not. Because uh, just by existing, a living entity is Krishna's eternal servant. Okay. And it reminded me of this, um, 
there's a Harvard professor, I forget her name now. I'm sure I could find it in a second. Um, who um, has written a book called Dignity. Uh, Dignity. And, and she makes one point that I, um, I'll get her name. Let's see. Oh, Donna Hicks. Okay. And she makes one point that I find it works very nicely in our Christian conscious philosophy. So she writes, the most common, oh, she, she asked people, can you define dignity? And inevitably, she said, inevitably, people say respect. Right? So she, she says, um, the most common response people offer is that dignity is about respect. To the contrary, dignity is not the same as respect. Dignity is our inherent value and worth as human beings. In other words, just by living, we are Krishna's eternal servant, if we translate this into our philosophy, right? So dignity is our inherent value. So even a very bad person has the inherent value of being Krishna's servant. Everyone is born with it. That's our philosophy also. Respect, on the other hand, is earned through one's actions. Now we can play with the words, um, you know, again, as Andy always brings up the English words, you know, it's tricky, respect, you know, because we say we should respect others. But, but just, but this distinction, I, I think is helpful. Respect, yeah, you don't, you, you know, uh, so it's kind of like, so on the spiritual level, everyone is equal. Everyone. To see everyone equally. But on the material platform, uh, not everyone is equal. Not everyone has the same intelligence. Not everyone has the same good looks. Not everyone has the same amount of money. Not everyone not everyone's as nice as another person. So using her definition, spiritually, we understand everyone is spirit soul. We offer their we offer their respects, Krishna's in their heart. And then on the practical level, we, we, we treat people differently um, according to their position and according to uh, their, their piety, we could say, or their nicety, or so many different considerations are there. So many. Uh, any questions or comments on this? According to their actions, really. Treat people according to their mentalities or their uh, demonstrated realization or lack of lack of that. Yes. <clears throat> Uh, and other thoughts? The idea about treating everyone equal, or at least uh, Krishna doesn't treat everyone equally. He says, He says, As they surrender unto me, I reward them accordingly. And he says, He says, I treat everyone equally. And then he contradicts himself at the, the second part of the shloka. He says, Ye bhajanti mai te te I treat everyone equally, but <laughs> if you approach me with bhakti, no, no, I treat you special. <laughs> I, yes, Andy. I think he may treat everybody differently, but he views everyone equally. That's Sama Darshan. 
That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Nice way to yeah. put it. Yeah. Yes. So, Prabhuji, Lord Krishna is not uh, discrimination with our human. Uh, Krishna is not discrimination uh, in our uh, devotee, right? Like as a, um, we know that Tamagun, Shatagun, and Rajagun, three guna in the men's are. Uh, um, verified to the knowledge of Lord Krishna, how we are in, in the world, we are devotee, right? So he is not discrimination, right? I'm telling that uh, pious, non-pious, the devotee, based on their uh, knowledge, right? So Lord Krishna is not discrimination with us, that uh, we are in different three gunas, in three gunas properties in our sins, right? Shotaguna, Rajaguna, and Tamaguna. Yes, we have the three gunas. I'm trying to understand the question. We have the three gunas and they affect us. Yeah, but uh, based, based on our knowledge, we are the devotee, right? Is it pious or impious? Uh, well, yeah, we are. Um, so you can, one way to put it is uh, there's pravritri marg, pravritti marg, nivritti marg, and then bhakti. So pravritti marg is the path of sense enjoyment. Nivritti marg is the path of renunciation. But even above that is bhakti. And Krishna will reciprocate with us differently uh, according to which path we choose. Because that's, that's, again, is the free will of the living entity, of us, our, our free will. And, and so when we choose to act in a certain way, Krishna reciprocates in one way. When we choose to act in another way, way with, with pure devotion Krishna reciprocates in another way I'm looking at the chat here I don't know if that helped Prabhu what, what you're saying um, my question is the bhakti improvement you know Prabhuji there's the bhakti uh, improvement is himself it's not in uh, improve uh, by other pressure but Lord Krishna is not discrimination that uh, devotee that's my question He's not discriminating about a devotee. Uh, yeah. Yeah, some are pious, some are not pious. And so yeah, well, between the, between uh, the that's devotees. what I'm trying to say. Above piety and impiety is bhakti. Yes, bhakti. Yes, above piety and impiety is bhakti. So the, the, it's explained that the one good thing about being pious is that it's more likely that a devotee will give you their mercy. Uh, otherwise piety is still material but the because the real way we progress or even get introduced to Krishna consciousness is through the devotee um, so piety may attract a devotee so, oh this looks like a pious person let me get but then we just heard that Panchatapa made no distinction <laughs> so that, that may be uh Lord Chaitanya's special mercy. Let's see. Uh, Nandimukhi puts in the chat a beautiful verse from the sixth chapter, verse 32 of the Gita. He is a perfect yogi who, by comparison to his own self, sees the true equality of all beings uh, in both their happiness and distress. Yes, that's a great quote. And Andy says, and one who sees the true equality of all beings would be very dignified. Yes. Indeed. Yeah, they don't, uh, another place probably says, we don't, they don't degrade themselves by their mind. They don't degrade themselves by their mind. 
Um, and here, my mind, as soon as you said dignity and respect, my mind was thinking, I don't get no respect. <laughs> right. Rodney Dangerfield quote there. Okay. Yes. He doesn't get no respect and Mick Jagger gets, Mick Jagger gets no satisfaction. So there you go. Uh, let's move on. We are next studying uh, verse 14, I believe. Is that right? Yes. So we're, we're Yes. Okay. So verse number eight and nine. The Supreme Personality of Godhead has no material birth activities, name, form, qualities, or faults. To fulfill the purpose for which this material world is created and destroyed, he comes in the form of a human being like Lord Rama and Lord Krishna by his original internal potency. He has immense potency and in various forms, all free from material contam contamination, he acts wonderfully. He is therefore the Supreme Brahman. I offer my respects to him. I offer my respect, text 10. I offer my respects, respectful obeisances unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the self-effulgent super soul, who is a witness in everyone's heart, who enlightens the individual soul, and who cannot be reached by exercises of the mind, works, or consciousness. Just checking my notes here quickly. Okay. Text 11. The Supreme Personality of God is realized by pure devotees who act in the transcendental existence of Bhakti Yoga. He is the bestower of uncontaminated happiness and is the master of the transcendental world. Therefore, I offer my respects to him. I offer my respectful obeisances to Lord Vasudev, who is all pervading, to the Lord's fierce form as Lord Nrsinghadev, to the Lord's form as an animal, Lord Vrahadev, to Lord Dattatreya, who preached impersonalism, to Lord Buddha, and to all the other incarnations. I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Lord, who has no material qualities, but who accepts the three qualities, goodness, passion, and ignorance within this material world. I also offer my respectful obeisances unto the impersonal Brahman effulgence. I beg to offer my respectful obeisances, text 13, to, unto you, who are the super soul, the superintendent of everything and the witness of, uh, of all that occurs. You are the supreme person, the origin of material nature and of the total material energy. You are also the owner of the material body. Therefore, you are the supreme complete. I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. And text 14, which is what we'll study. My Lord, you are the observer of all the objectives of the senses. Without your mercy, there is no possibility of solving the problem of doubts. The material world is just like a shadow resembling you. Indeed, one accepts this material world as real because it gives a glimpse of your existence. Okay. To paraphrase this verse, now listen to this, Prabhupada, it's just a short verse, right? But now he gives a long paraphrase. The objectives of sensual activities are actually observed by you. Without your direction, a living entity cannot take even a step forward. As confirmed in Bhagavad Gita 1515, Sarvasya Chaham, Kridi Sanivishto Matasmatir Ganam Apo Hanam Cha. 
You are situated in everyone's heart, and only from you come remembrance and forgetfulness. Chayeva yasya bhuvanani viparti durga. Living entity under the clutches of Maya wants to enjoy this material world, but unless you give him directions and remind him, he cannot make progress in pursuing his shadowy objective in life. So even even to be in Maya, Krishna helps us. <laughs> the conditioned soul wrongly progresses toward the wrong objective, life after life. And he is reminded of that objective by you. So he, so the, the wrong direction, Krishna reminds us of the wrong direction, it says here, because that's what we want. In one life, the conditioned soul desires to progress towards a certain objective. But after his body changes, he forgets everything. Nonetheless, my Lord, because he wanted to enjoy something in this world, you remind him of this in his next birth. Because the living, the conditioned soul wants to forget you, by your grace, you give him opportunities, life after life, by which he can almost perpetually forget you. Therefore, you are eternally the director of the conditioned souls. It is because you are the original cause of everything that everything appears real. The ultimate reality is your lordship, the supreme personality of Godhead. I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. I'll just, well, no, I'll, I'll first comment on it, say some thoughts about this. So this is, um, Krishna gives us free will. I think I'll show a uh, brief, PowerPoint to um, about this. Let me get to my PowerPoint. For those of you listening, I'll try to describe things that are on the PowerPoint um, for those uh, listening to the recording since you can't see it. So this is, uh, we I entitled Icha or choice. It's one of the six Gita values that we talk about. Um, so here's a picture of people in an airplane. And you know the, the nice example that we've used many times that when the airplane takes off, you're destined to go to, let's say you're going to California, to, uh, to uh, Hawaii. <laughs> uh, you're destined to go there, but on the, so the destination is fixed, but on the airplane, you can have lunch, you can talk to the next person, you can sleep, you can read the Bhagavad Gita, you can, Right, you can do so. You have a choice of many activities, although the destination is fixed. So we have our karma. We can't change who our parents are. We can't change uh, too much how we look. You can get some Botox and things, but you can't change too much. Um, so there's some things that are fixed, but we have our free will in this life um, to uh, in so many choices that we have. And here's a nice way to look at it. Also, that weight is our free will, because you can lose and gain weight, and height is our karma. Usually we're pretty much born with our height, right? But, we, so that's a nice way to look at it. Weight is free will, height is karma. And there has to be free will, otherwise Vishnu, I think it's Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, maybe it's Baladeva Dibhusana says, otherwise, why would you have scriptures? Why would you have a Bhagavad Gita that tells you to do this and don't do that? If we didn't have any free will, <laughs> why? So, so we have free will. Uh, otherwise, there's no need for scriptures. And this is the fa most famous free will 
shloka in the uh, Bhagavad Gita. It's right towards the end. So after Krishna has taught, this is the 18th chapter. It's right. There's only 15 more verses left out of the 700. And after Krishna has given so many instructions, so many instructions, he says, Iti te akyatam guyad guyataram maya. Vim ris yaitad ashe shena yate jasi tata kuru. Thus I have explained to you the most confidential of all knowledge. So I've given you all this knowledge. Now you think about it, deliberate on this fully, and then do what you wish to do. So Krishna gives us free will. And a nice example of what the way Krishna um, gives us choice is, is, is by the use of contrast. There's many, many shlokas in the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna is saying, well, if you do this, you get this result. But if you do that, you get this great result. And it's a great way to, um, we, to say, yes, you have free will, but don't be a, a stupid person. <laughs> Pick the right way. So here's an example of that from the ninth chapter. So verse 11 of the ninth chapter says, fools deride me when I descend in the human form. They do not know my transcendental nature, my supreme dominion over all that be, text 12. Those who are thus bewildered, who are foolish, as in text 11, they're attracted by demoniac and atheistic views. In that deluded condition, mogasya moga karmana, moga jnanavi chetasa, their, their hopes for liberation, their fruit of activities, and their cultural knowledge are all defeated. So, okay, that's all the things you shouldn't do. And then, the next verse, 9.13, O Sana Prita, Arjuna, those who are not deluded, the great souls, are under the protection of the divine nature. They are fully engaged in devotional service because they know me as the supreme personality of God, original and inexhaustible. So he gives us choice, but he's trying to make it really clear which choice we should make. Um, so, and there is a way to change our karma. Um, and it's mainly Krishna can change it. Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. So Krishna gives us this, um, this free will. Um, as explained, uh, as we covered in this. Uh, and, and then when we use our free will, as we read in the purport here, when we really desire things other than Krishna Krishna, oh, okay, here you go. And he fulfills that desire because, yeah, well, ultimately, 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 because love means free will, love means choice, love means that we consciously choose to have a relationship with another. Okay, so uh, questions, comments, thoughts on this? That was a very nice definition of love. Yes. Yeah. 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 You can't force love. Um, or is it, was it Diana Warwick or the Supreme that said you can't hurry love? You just have to wait. Love don't come easy. It's a game of give and take. <laughs> There's a lot of lyrics that actually have little sprinkles of truth in them. <laughs> and it is a game of give and take. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, anything else on this? Let's see, was there, was there anything in the chat? No. Um, okay, then uh, um, there's one other point. Oh, I wanted to read the bottom of the purport. The word sarva pratyaya hetave is explained by Srila Vishnu of Chakravarti Thakur, who says that a result gives one a glimpse of its cause. Okay, so you got that? A result gives a glimpse of its cause, and he gives an example. For example, since an earthen pot is the result of the actions of a potter, by seeing the earthen pot, one can guess at the existence of the potter. Similarly, this material world resembles the spiritual world, and any intelligent person can guess how it is acting. As explained in Bhagavad Gita, maya dakshena prakriti suyute sacharachar. The activities of the material world suggest that behind them is the superintendence of the Lord. <clears throat> it's, the material world is a perverted reflection of the spiritual world. Perverted reflection. What, what a, I don't, you know, talk about, you see, as much as, Andy, as much as things don't always translate, um, sometimes Prabhupada's use of English is so helpful and so wonderful at explaining something like a perverted reflection. <laughs> and it occurs, it occurs that in no way, no way does this conditioned soul either even get a whiff of this understanding without the guidance of a spiritual master or an enlightened yeah. devotee. Um, I also wanted to make the general note that um, that Gajendra, of course, is in the uh, he's fighting for his life, completely stressful condition, and I'm just wondering, um, open question, why it takes so many devotees and reflective or reflexively so many of us or at least myself it takes some extreme condition to bring out the um, actual devotion um, you know yeah. we we tend or at least I can say for myself to take things for granted or to become uh, comfortable to a certain degree, but then when pressed against the wall, that's when uh, we we have to come to terms with who we actually are. Um, and and uh, of course, you know, Gajendra does so brilliantly, flawlessly. Um, but it but the fact that he had to get to that point. Who is it? Um, I, I've been trying to think. Everybody on this call will know. I can't think of it. The the devotee who, with one second, when he asked the demigods, how long was it? Katvanga. Katvanga Maharaj. So yeah. he, he asked the, the demigods, uh, how long do I have to live? And the demigod said, actually, you're scheduled to die in about a second. That's <laughs> He switched gears, uh, gave up everything, and uh, yeah. sought other uh, Christians at his feet. Yeah, um, it's, it's a really good point, Gurudas Prabhu, um, that 
you know, how Krishna is unlimitedly merciful. This comes up in actually, we're going to read this in, in the next, uh, in verse 17. Um, but how to get that mercy and look what Gajendra had to go through to pray so sincerely, right? And are we so brave to pray like Kunti, Kunti Devi, when she says, you know, may these calamities come again and again. But when, they, when I'm in a difficult situation, I think of you, um, you know, Gajendra was so pious in his previous life, obviously. Um, and what, what if Krishna puts us, uh, is very nice to us and puts us in a Gajendra-like situation? <laughs> you know, it's, it's one thing to kind of say it theory, theoretically, another to really, it, it, it's not so easy to, um, to want to, to, to uh, you know, I'm like my prayer to Krishna is usually like, Krishna, I really want to become really sincere. And, and, but I don't want it to come out by you putting me into terrible situation. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it can just come out naturally because, you know, I want to love you, but not because, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, ha I, I knew a devotee who, uh, he, he had some struggles in his, in his devotional career. And uh, then he got diagnosed with cancer. And I said, I, at one point we were talking, I said, how are you doing with these struggles? He said, well, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not struggling anymore. Uh, stage four cancer will do that to you. <laughs> It'll make you really serious. Oh boy. Yes, he was a advanced soul. Um, Okay, so we're going up to 17. So, uh, so why don't we do that then? Um, verse 15. My Lord, you are the cause of all causes, but you yourself have no cause. Therefore, you are the wonderful cause of everything. I offer my respectful obeisances unto you, who are the shelter of the Vedic knowledge contained in the Shastras like the Pancharatrikas and Vedanta Sutra, which are your representatives and who are the source of the Parampara system. Because it is you who can give liberation. You are the only shelter of all transcendentalists. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto you. So, you know, that, that simple thing, right? You have a cause. You have your parents. They have a cause. They have a cause. They have a cause. Keep going back, 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 back. And where do you get to the cause of all the other causes? And that's he's saying here. That's who he's praying to. Text 16, my Lord, as the fire in Arani wood is covered, you and your in unlimited knowledge are covered by the material modes of nature. Your mind, however, is not attentive to the activities of the modes of nature. Those who are advanced in spiritual knowledge are not subject to the regulated principles directed in the Vedic literatures. Because such advanced souls are transcendental, you personally appear in their pure minds. Therefore, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you so arani wood um i mean all wood you could say has fire in it in its potential um manifestation right just like uh two days ago we cut down we had to uh, very unfortunately we don't like to do this but we had to cut down the tr some of the big trees at the, on the property of the temple in order to build a new temple so because you know the the work is going on and so you saw all these huge pieces of wood on the ground after. Uh, so if, you know, if they're dry enough, they can be burnt. But Arani wood 
is a special kind of wood that can be lit by mantra. It has a potential of fire, but additionally, it can be uh, it can be ignited by by mantra. And so um, that is us. Also, we have we you know when our eyes are we you know we don't, why don't we see Krishna? Our eyes are covered. Um, uh, the pure mind of remembering Krishna is covered, but Krishna is not covered. And with the right mantra, the Hare Krishna Maha mantra, we can ignite <laughs> our Krishna consciousness. Okay, now 17. Since an animal such as me has surrendered unto you, who are supremely liberated, certainly you will release me from this dangerous position. Indeed, being extremely merciful, your, you incessantly try to deliver me by your partial feature as Param Atma. You are situated in the hearts of all embodied beings. You are celebrated as direct transcendental knowledge and you are unlimited. I offer my respectful obeisances unto you, Supreme Personality of Godhead. So uh, let me look at my notes here. So Krishna is unlimitedly merciful. Um, but how to how to get that mercy? And Prabhupada here quotes. Uh, we'll read a little of the purport. Um, the word brihate namas te have been explained by Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. Um, brihate Krishna. Uh, I'm sorry. Brihate Sri Krishnaya. The supreme personality of God it is Krishna. There are many tattvas such as Vishnu tattva, Jiva tattva. We have Jiva Tattva Prabhu on the call right now, <laughs> Jiva Tattva Das, and Shakti Tattva. But above everything is the Vishnu Tattva, which is all-pervading. This all-pervading feature of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is explained in Bhagavad Gita, wherein the Lord says, and this is a famous verse, Atava Bahunaitena Kim Yatena Tavarjuna Vishtam Yaham Idam Krishnam, and this is the part that is often quoted, Ekam Sena Stito Jagat. Um, which means by just a spark of my splendor, right? Just a fragment of myself, I pervade and support this entire universe. So Krishna says that the entire material world is maintained by his partial representative representation as Paramatma. Lord enters the universe as Garbhodakshai Vishnu and then expands as Shirodakshai Vishnu to enter into the hearts of all living entities and even en enter the atoms. Uh, every universe is full of atoms and the Lord is not only within the universe but also within the atoms thus within every atom the Supreme Lord exists in his Vishnu form feature as Param Atma but all the Vishnu uh, tattvas emanate from Krishna as confirmed in Bhagavad Gita Aham Adirhi Devanam Krishna is the Adi or beginning of the Devas of this material world Brahma, Brahma, Vishnu, and Maheshwari, Maheshwara, or Shiva. Therefore, he is described here as Bhagavate Brihate. Everyone is Bhagavan. Everyone possesses opulence. But Krishna is Brihan Bhagavan, the possessor of unlimited opulences. Ishwara Parama Krishna. Krishna is the origin of everyone. Aham Sarvasya Prabhava. Even Brahma, Vishnu, and Maheshwari come from Krishna. Mataparataram nanyakin, Prabhupada is bringing out all the great shlokas here. Mataparataram nanyakin, kinchid asti tananjaya. 
There is no personality superior to Krishna. Therefore, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says that Bhagavate Brihate means unto Sri Krishna. Then um, I'll skip a little bit going down. Only Krishna can deliver us from this material existence. Indeed, he is always trying to deliver us. Ishwara Sarva Bhutanam Hridesha Arjuna Tishtati. He is within our hearts and he is not at all inattentive. Now, this is a meditation, isn't it? Uh, only Krishna can deliver us and he's always trying to. And he's in our hearts and he's not at all inattentive. He's not spacing out on video games <laughs> or whatever, right? He's not inattentive. His only aim is to deliver us from material life. His only aim in this world is as super soul. It is not that he becomes attentive to us only when we offer prayers to him. Now, this is interesting considering what we talked about prayers earlier. Even before we offer our prayers, he incessantly tries to deliver us. He is never lazy in regard to our deliverance. Therefore, this verse says, Budi Kurunaya Namo Lalaya. It is the causeless mercy of the Supreme Lord that he always tries to bring us home back to Godhead. God is liberated and he tries to make us liberated. But although he is constantly trying, we refuse to accept his instructions. Nonetheless, he does not, he, he has not become angry. Therefore, he is described here as Buri Karunaya, unlimitedly merciful and delivering us from this miserable material condition of life and taking us back home, back to God. So what a, what a meditation. Krishna's really trying and we are really trying to ignore his really trying. <laughs> we really have become good at it over the millions of lifetimes that we've had in this material world. <clears throat> but Krishna doesn't become angry at us. He, um, he may be disappointed um, in, the, in the sense that he wants what's best for us. And we, well, you know, we, for those of us on this call, probably what we are more at is we have one foot in one boat and one foot in the other boat to some extent. Um, and we're trying to cooperate with Krishna. We're trying to behave in such a way that you know he he can give he he wants to and can give his mercy to us and then sometimes we're kind of like uh, well you know doing something else but it's such a this this last paragraph always trying to deliver us never never inattentive only aim is to deliver us and then we can also understand from his statements in the gita and also we, we can um, extrapolate from this purport that those of us who try to help Krishna in that effort to help others, um, we, we become dear to him. So some questions, comments, thoughts? So this is probably the uh, among those who uh, claim to be faithful and then at one point uh, lose their faith or just give up the whole thing they say you know i you, you're supposed to be so merciful and you're supposed to be watching out for me and here this tragic event happened or this thing occurred and where were you 
where were you? Why didn't you do something? Why didn't you save me? So that superficial understanding. Um, yeah. So yeah. People don't go any further. That's what brings them to the point of, you know, all of this that I've, I've been thinking about you is false. It's just a lie. You're, you know, um, and, and, and it, it's, it's, it's hard actually to realize that the reality is that that kind of thing is meant to make us go further into our, uh, I guess, inner understanding of uh, our relationship with Krishna, how he's there for us yeah. in our spiritual uh, aspiration, but not necessarily, we can't necessarily expect every, every wrong turn that I take or every danger that I get into that uh, just because I'm a believer that God is going to step in and save me. Because what is saving me? Uh, you know, we, have, we have to know the Bhagavad Gita. First of all, Krishna clearly says in the second chapter that we're not this body, we're the soul. And then he clearly says, don't be an illusion about this world. Anityam asukam loka uh, it's temporary and it's miserable. So he wants us, you know, he, he um, uh, I brought this up before, but in conflict resolution, one of the major causes of conflict is unclear expectations. Hmm. So yes, if, 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 if uh, and that's one of the big problems with, uh, with all due respect to people uh, in Christianity, there's some groups that preach the prosperity gospel right? That God wants you to be rich. And if you come to this church and you, you know, you do things, you will, you will be prosperous. And that that is a sign of God's mercy. Um, which is like, as far as I, I'm not a, a, a biblical scholar, but as far as I understand, that's almost like the antithesis of what Jesus taught. But that's, but, but when you have that expectation, I, I can imagine that what happens, a person goes to adopts the prosperity gospel and then goes broke um so so that is giving um some uh unclear expectations so krishna tries to make it really clear right uh dukkala that this is dukkha it's a place of unhappiness and it's temporary and so um so that means you're gonna die and the people that you love are going to die and you're going to get sick and you're going to get old. And, and, and when you accept that, what, what's so interesting is that when you accept that things uh, uh, start looking kind of positive, <laughs> which is interesting, right? Um, I was just trying to... Um, yeah, because you're past that whole false layer of, of expectation. Yeah, uh, that 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 uh, because because I believe in God, he, He's somehow going to keep me alive forever, or He will He'll keep you know I won't get the disease, or I won't you know right. whatever the whatever the internal expectation is. 
Yeah, it's it's a little like this. I, I'm not again. I'm not saying he's a Vedic scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, M. Scott Peck wrote a very famous book called *The Road Less Traveled*, and I always I always found it interesting his very first page. He talks about discipline and problems and pain, and he says life is difficult. This is a great truth, one of the greatest truths. It is a great truth because one, and then this is kind of the point I was making. Uh, once we truly see this truth, we transcend it. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult because once it is accepted, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. Most do not fully see this truth that life is difficult. Instead, they moan more or less incessantly, noisily or subtly about the enormity of their problems, their burdens and their difficulties as if life were generally easy, as if life should be easy. And then he goes on and on. But, um, but you know, again, we can take that and kind of spiritualize it, right? That when um, it does, it does put a different lens because I think, you know, we, even as devotees, sometimes we kind of think that uh, everything's going to work out and maybe it's not, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's the, that's the reality. And, and lots of times, you know, as much as everyone, I mean, it, it everyone talks about, you know, you have to, you can realize your dreams and, you know, people talk about the dreams that they have. Well, sometimes, sometimes one of the great lessons in life and in Krishna consciousness, when your dreams, at least, you know, in this world are not fulfilled, right? Um, and uh, the, the, sometimes that's called like experiencing ashes, A-S-H-E-S. And those ashes, as bitter as they are, can contain within them great, great lessons. And of course, you know, we can, we can dream or think big in Krishna's service. I was just reading Shama Sundar Prabhu's book on Prabhupada uh, and uh, Aiming for the Rhinos. Is that what we call Aiming for the Rhinos? It's, uh, no, uh, uh, rhino, um, hunt, uh, Aiming for the What? Chasing the Rhino? Chasing no. the Rhinos, yeah, Chasing the Rhinos, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and one thing that Prabhupada liked about Shama Sundar is he didn't think small. He, he, he did all kinds of big things in Krishna's service. So that's different in Krishna's service. Um, but I, I like this introduction by M. Scott Peck because, I, you know, as far as, you know, a, a non-Vedic source, but uh, that it, it could be really helpful when our expectations are realistic. Hmm. You know, and that's uh, that's a problem that I have sometimes with. Uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. I think, but you know, there's different um, life coaches and uh, self help people who just make it sound like everything's going to just work out peachy keen. You know, and and you just have to think positive. Now it's okay to think positive because if you're a devotee and you're connected with Krishna, yes, you do think positive. And what's so interesting is that although Krishna says Dukalayam Sashvatam, temporary miserable, Prabodhananda Saraswati Thakur says, uh, I just had it, um, what is it that he says? I just had it in my mind and it just left. Avishwam Purna Sukhayate. 
that the whole world becomes happy because the devotee just sees the whole world as an opportunity for service. Hmm. And they don't care about their own happiness and distress and pain and pleasure. They just say, oh, here's an opportunity to serve. Here's an opportunity to serve. And they become really happy. So that's in an advanced stage. Okay. So we, um, Thank you. we read as far as we could today. And we, we, did, we got up to uh, text. Uh, we'll start with 18. And next week, Krishna willing, we will um, be finished with this chapter of Gajendra's prayers. And then let's see, uh, coming attractions. Um, the next is Gajendra's return to the spiritual world. And because it, uh, the Lord does save him and, and he kills the crocodile. But then we find out that the crocodile was actually, you know, this person who was so happy that he got liberated from that body by, you know, being killed by the, anyway, it all works out well as things happen in Krishna's pastimes. So we, we may start that chapter as well. So thank you very much. This was um, a wonderful chapter and wonderful passage in the Bhagavatam. And Krishna willing, we'll see you all next week. All right, Krishna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.